Hi there, I'm Sheena and this is the Lesbian Review Podcast. This podcast is a spin-off of the popular review site thelesbianreview.com, where we review the best books, movies and music with leading lesbian, bi or queer women. The goal of this podcast is to bring you closer to the best queer media and give you access to interviews with people who are behind the scenes in creating it. Today joining me is author J.S. Fields, and they're here to recommend five lesbian sci-fi books. J.S., thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you're a huge sci-fi buff, right? So you read and write science fiction novels. Yes, I grew up um, on those really trashy serial science fiction serials in the 80s and 90s in the U.S. that were just horrible but amazing. <laughs> what is your your favorite one that you remember? I really enjoyed Time Tracks, which I don't even know how I can explain. It was about a white dude from the future who had to come back to like the 1990s to stop killers who would also come from the future and then we're going I think back in the past to kill if I'm remembering right but he had a computer named Selma that was like a hologram but was like a really unattractive hologram but then he met a friend who had like a really attractive hologram it was a I don't think there was a plot is what I'm saying it was just very awesome (laughs) sometimes that's all you need Okay, so you're here to recommend five books that you really love in the sci-fi sector, right? Yes. So let's get cracking with your first one. All right, so these are in no particular order. So I read a ton of sci-fi, but I'm very particular about my sci-fi having queer characters, and I really want to see a FF relationship in them for the most part. So I've got five books here that all showcase some type of lesbic content, although it is not necessarily the predominant theme. So the first one is The Wrong Stars by Tim Pratt. And this is just one of the most quintessential space opera adventures that you can have. It uh, it has, you know, your ragtag crew on a kind of a crappy ship who finds what is very tropishly known as a space princess, more or less, who's made first contact with aliens, but uh, she's been in a hibernation sleep. And so she doesn't realize that they made first contact decades ago. And so you get to unwind this whole, are the aliens good? Are the aliens bad? What's the deal with the hot chick in the suspension chamber? You know, it's, it's, it's got those really good lesbian vibes while also having fantastic space battles. Much pew pew. That's my, my highest praise for a book. <laughs> yeah, and really nice look at some other cultures, which I think is always really critical if you have uh, any type of space opera. So you, you mentioned the mystery elements in this. Uh, do you think... Because if you look at something like um, Star Trek, the the one I grew up was uh, Next Generation. And that was essentially Star Trek's a mystery series. So it's a mystery series set in space. There's, there's a mystery that needs to be solved in every episode, essentially. Do you think mysteries and sci-fi just kind of go together? Um, well, that's interesting because I actually classify Star Trek as very space opera because it focuses on the evolution of characters over necessarily evolution of an overarching plot. Although the new Star Trek, you could argue, is a little bit different. Um, but if you like, if you want to look at it definitely through a, a mystery lens, I think if you're in space, there almost has to be some kind of mystery element because you're discovering, right? That's the whole point most of the time of space books, unless it's military sci-fi. But if it's space opera sci-fi, there definitely tends to be some new alien species or some 
thing has gone weird. And so it's probably a critical element of those types of books. That sounds awesome. So what kind of readers do you think would appreciate the Pratt book? Readers who liked Becky Chambers' books, Long Way to a Small Anger Planet, which is going to be my next recommendation anyway. Anyone who enjoys Star Wars, Star Trek, any of those generalized space operas, um, although Star Wars starts edging into space fantasy, which is a little different. It's not military sci-fi. So if military sci-fi space opera is your jam, you won't like this book. Dude, there's like a lot of complication going on here with categories. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So your next one is The Long Way to Small Angry Planets. I'd be surprised if anyone had not heard of this book. It's part of a trilogy. Um, the Tim Pratt book's actually part of a at least a duology, if not a trilogy. Um, Becky Chambers has written a trilogy of these books. I've read the first two and the third one's on my on my pile. And again, just you can tell, I think you're going to be able to tell that I deeply love space opera. So this is another fantastic space opera. There's tons of different POV characters. And so just one line has a, has a lesbian romance. Although uh, one line also has, I believe, a guy falling in love with a ship, which is also fun. And, you know, very sort of Anne McCaffrey in that vein. So that was a good time. The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet is a really interesting book because it doesn't really follow a standard narrative structure that we see in books today. It, it really bucks a lot of the, you must, within the first chapter, establish a through line. You must establish the stakes. It, it doesn't do that. It just goes. And you have to be okay with the ride and the adventure on its own. And I don't think you really get to an overarching plot until about three quarters of the way through. And so if you're a standard lover of space opera, it can be a little weird, but it's it's got such a cult following that I think people are willing to give it a try, which is amazing. It was a great book. That's so interesting. Does it not get frustrating that you don't know what's going on? It was recommended to me, I don't know, a hundred times before I picked it up. And I was I was definitely frustrated in the first half although the thing that kept me going was rooting for the lesbian pairing that eventually came out I mean that was broadcast so I was like okay well <laughs> if there are lesbians I'm here that's fine I'll keep going and then by the time those two finally came around to talking as they do then the plot was starting to emerge and reading it again I really really appreciate the way it was written because you don't often get to take a breath like that in space opera and actually just explore the lives and the people. And so it reminded me very much thinking back on it of like the first season of Star Trek, the next generation that really was just them in space, occasionally meeting with horny aliens <laughs> and not really having a plan. Okay. I can see that. And I suppose if the writing is good enough and the characters are intriguing enough, then it'll just keep you captivated until you get to the point. Yeah, and I I don't know. It was it was great. The second book in the series, while it does not have lesbians, is even better. Uh, and the each book in the trilogy is a self-contained story. So they they don't actually they contain a few of the same side characters, but they're their own story. And the second book blew me away. And your third recommendation. My third recommendation is just a short little novella that I honestly I just adore it. It's called Safety Protocols for Human Holidays by Angel Martinez. And it is, um, it's a space opera romance for the romance lovers in the world. It's very short. It's, geez, how many pages is this thing? 50 pages. Um, it's a holiday short that was put out by its press. And it's, I mean, it's delightful. It's about an alien woman 
who um, would really like to court a human woman and doesn't really know how to do it. So she starts looking up holiday traditions to try and court with and just like kind of gets them all horribly wrong, but in a really sweet way. Oh, that sounds adorable. It's a great, I mean, it's so short. You can read it, you know, on a commute, bus ride commute. And it was, it was perfectly written. It was sweet. It was full of holiday cheer. And the, the alien narrator is, I mean, she, she feels like me every time a holiday comes around that I don't know what the hell to do. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to Google it. And, uh, is this a real thing? Is okay. I'll, we'll just try it. And then I get it horribly wrong. I just, I deeply connected with the alien. I so relate to this. <laughs> it sounds adorable. I'm totally going to go pick that up. Yes, definitely recommend. I, I also love the fact that all of the books that you're recommending, you literally have in hard copy in front of you. I'm like, that is so sweet. Look, I do not read ebooks. I want to own my book and I want to touch it. And so I, I'm a reviewer for the New York Journal of Books and I really need to be able to mark up my books dog ear them, abuse them. I need to be able to take them with me. And uh, my eyes can only take so much digital work. Um, I also work, I work in a wood shop. So I oftentimes there's crap in my eyes. It, digital just doesn't work for me. And so I, if I, especially if I truly love a book, I'll keep the paperback around, but I buy almost every book I read in paperback. And then if I don't like it, I put it in a book box. And if I like it, I keep it. But um, it's actually, it's a little bit of a problem sometimes because there are a lot of books that I would like to read that are only out in ebook. And I just, I just won't buy them because I know that I will not enjoy it. And if I'm gonna, you know, I'd like to leave reviews for people, even if it's not through my professional review gig, but I, I'm, it's always colored if I have to read the ebook because I've been frustrated and I can't flag interesting passages and I just I usually halfway through I just turn it off and forget about it and I'm like I'm done I don't want to deal with it plus then I can get them signed by the authors which is a pro absolutely but since I'm stuck at the bottom of the world nobody can sign my books anyway so <laughs> you know we could set up some kind of like courier service where like we funnel books down to you I'm actually so happy I haven't looked at a paperback in Yonks. I'm so happy with my Kindle. It's like, it goes everywhere with me. People love them. That's amazing. And I know that they've, yeah. especially for people who need bigger fonts, they've really opened, they've really opened that door. The interesting thing is sales, my sales from my books are probably easily 50-50 paperback and ebook. And I think that's probably more the genre than anything else. Sci-fi and fantasy readers, at least the ones that I tend to interact with, tend to be more, a little bit more paper. Yeah, I find sci-fi readers are a whole different breed entirely. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're different. Okay, your fourth one. So we're going to move out of space as much as I loathe to move out of space because I figure if I just give five space books, people will get bored. So now I want to move into more um, sort of contemporary sci-fi, which could be classified under some other things. So it could be classified into contemporary thriller, contemporary horror-ish, but it, it has really strong sci-fi elements, so I'm going to claim it for sci-fi. And the first one in there is Santa Olivia by Jacqueline Carey. Now, a lot of people are familiar with Jacqueline Carey from the Kushiel series, which I really did not care for, and Jacqueline Carey's newest book, which has a non-binary protagonist. But um, Santa Olivia and Saints Astray is a duology, and it was some of her earlier work, and I absolutely fell in love with it. 
Um, Santa Olivia deals with a ragtag group of orphans in a part of the U.S. that has been cut off from the United States due to some sort of undefined skirmish with Mexico, I believe. And there's a there's a genetic manipulation project going on in the town by the army where they're and this is going to be weird, where they're splicing like wolf genes into people. And you get some of the neat science with that. And our main, our main character um, is a Lou Garou. And she's the only female that's had her genes spliced with a wolf. And it's sort of the story of her growing up in this town, um, dealing with the army versus the civilians versus trying to escape because the town is closed and they're not allowed to leave. And, uh, you know, falling in love with a girl and their big escape plans. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fascinating military interactions. There's a lot of, like, really pushing the edge of what would be considered understandable and swallowable sci-fi. Because it it pushes the envelope on my suspension of disbelief at times. But Lou and Pilar's relationship is so incredible that I reread these books probably every couple of months because I love them so much. I have them in audio, CD, I have them in digital, just in case, and I have them in paperback. That sounds amazing, actually. That sounds right up my alley. I should try that. I'm always surprised when I am in various lesbic circles, especially on Facebook, how many people have not read Santa Olivia. And is I mean, I know it was definitely published under the radar of lesbian works because, you know, when you're a mainstream publisher and a mainstream author, especially back in, I think, the 90s when these came out. You didn't necessarily taunt that or flaunt that, but yeah, they're amazing. And also the cover, no one else can see it, but it's such a good cover. That is a good cover. It's a woman with a cape, and the cape's kind of billowing out, long hair. It's a very pretty picture. It's a blue kind of cape thing, and the woman is in silhouette. Yes. You know you're very, very bad for my reading list. I'm I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not sorry. Not even remotely sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Okay. Good books. They, one can never have enough good books to read. Oh, it's so true. And I, I just love that I have an endless supply of now, finally, after hunting for several years and finally getting a decent uh, Twitter group to recommend things. I now have probably more lesbian science fiction than I can read in a lifetime. And I never thought I'd be able to say that. I have found it. I have found the treasure trove and I'm slowly going through it. And it makes me glad that I never have to read straight science fiction again, fundamentally. You're listening to The Lesbian Talk Show. TheLesbianTalkShow.com, your hub of podcast information. And your last... Your last recommendation. My last one is also uh, sort of pushing the boundary of sci-fi here. It's called Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. I only just finished it ooh, last week, maybe. And it well, it falls into my subcategory, my subgenre category of lesbians on boats, which is a whole subgenre that I'm really fond of. And it deals with killer mermaids and surprising amount of marine science, which I was not expecting in this sort of sci-fi slash thriller um, contemporary book. And so there's multiple POV characters. The The main plot is that there's, if you think of the Discovery Channel and it's like fake documentaries, you know, finding Bigfoot and all those things, that's sort of the premise is that there's a company and I think it's called Imagine Entertainment and it decides that it's going to make its fortune on, on these types of fake documentaries. 
And um, so it goes out and it's doing really well. And it finally decides after doing Bigfoot and all these other things that it's going to do one on mermaids. And so it gets a crew together of, you know, hot models and, you know, various other people that you put on these fake documentaries and goes out into a boat on a boat um, to a place where people keep sighting mermaids. And they're going to do this fake documentary. So they're live streaming a lot of stuff. And then something like a whole bunch of somethings come onto the boat and basically eat everyone. But a lot of it's captured on film and it really looks like some kind of weird, horrible mermaid thing. And so, of course, Imagine Entertainment tries to bury it and there's this whole big conspiracy. And so the book takes place about mm, a number of years later. And Imagine Entertainment has decided that they're actually going to do a real documentary on killer mermaids. Um, and so they start going around and picking up all these like pseudoscientists that are actually real scientists that no one actually thinks are real scientists on mermaids. And our sort of main character lost her sister on the original boat. And she has just become obsessed with the ocean and listening to various sounds in it. And so she's got a lot of good background for this. And so she ends up back on a boat that they're and they're much they have a lot more protection this time. They've got professional hunters, a lot more security on this boat, and they go out again into into the water. And the book is um you know it's it's by Mira Grant, so there's some gore. But it, it they and they and they find obviously killer mermaids and there's um you know, they have um, sign language characters that do American Sign Language that work with trying to talk to the mermaids. Um, there's another main character that's autistic. Like, there's such great rep in it. And lesbians and killer mermaids. And the <laughs> tension is amazing. Also, I would like to point out that if you meet Mira Grant in person and she signs your book, here's plus one for paperback, she draws a little fish in the book. So I'm showing Sheena a picture here of uh, like a, a little vicious looking fish with a little light. Um, and so you should definitely try and find her and get her to sign your copy of Into the Johnny Deep so you get a vicious little fish drawn in it. That is awesome. <laughs> I need to go read this book. Who doesn't want to read about killer mermaids? This sounds amazing. Killer mermaids and lesbians on a boat. Totally. So what is your fascination with lesbians on a boat? Like, what I, is that? For some reason, um, in this past, I don't know, six months, as I've sort of gone through most of the space sci-fi and I've started branching into other areas of sci-fi, I keep coming into this sort of trope, which has never, I don't, I don't know if it's defined anywhere, which is something, something happens to two lesbians on a boat. Huh. And so I've decided that this must be the new space opera for me and I'm going to have to start sourcing more boat lesbians in my life and that'll just be my new my new reading thing i i kind of love it i think we need <laughs> i think we need lesbians on a boat as like a thing <laughs> i think i think maybe we should just officially make it a subgenre i make it like a wikipedia page or something totally totally <laughs> <laughs> okay so you're hectically into science are you you're like a scientist or you've got some sort of sciencey background or like what's what's going I, I on do here? i'm a i'm a professor Okay. And I and yeah, in wood science. Okay, you you need to There's always that pause there. every time. I just I just really wanted to watch your face. It's the same <laughs> face I get from everyone. There's just like this sort of dumbfounded I don't know what that means, but I don't really want to ask cuz I feel like I should know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely exactly what's going on in there. It's like, okay, expand on what is wood science. Wood science is a subfield of forestry. 
Um, but in forestry, they tend to grow trees. And in wood science, we care about them after they're cut down. So wood science is actually a fairly large field that involves the chemistry of wood, the protection of wood, how to keep it from decaying, um, the physics of wood, how to build with wood, the anatomy of wood, um, to some extent, working with wood, building buildings out of wood. So architecture, art, botany, all of these are just, but just under this very specific sort of dicot subheading. And so I am a wood anatomist, which means I do a lot of things like wood identification um, for, you know, lawsuits and um, just random people who walk into my office. But I am also a professional wood turner. And so I teach, I teach wood turning, honestly, at the university level, which is a great gig. And so which is why I'm in the shop a lot and, and I need paper because my eyes are often filled with dust. Okay. And so the puzzle is complete. Yeah. <laughs> I love wood. I love science. I love machines. Yes. And you love lesbians on boats. I really just never thought I would say that because I hate boats myself. Getting horribly motion sick. But I love reading about lesbians on boats. It's like living vicariously. It's a life I will never have. I mean, someday I might get to go on a spaceship, but I'm never going on a boat again. So I need to experience it through other lesbians. Well, considering that your boat recommend uh, your boat book recommendation has killer mermaids, this might be a good thing that you're not going on boats. <laughs> I, I would be, you know, if someone came along and offered me a chance to go on this boat ride where they go find the killer mermaids i think i would be really hard pressed to say no even though i get horribly sick on boats and even knowing that i would probably die it'd still be one of those okay but mermaids <laughs> even At least mermaids. I, I i would die having seen a mermaid and i i really think that would be okay <laughs> uh, and your partner how does your partner feel about that that you would be a happy dying I don't believe we've ever had that conversation. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be bringing it up. <laughs> it's probably wise not to. <laughs> okay, so you've written a bunch of books. Which should people start with if they've never read your work before? Um, so I've written a lot of books between like actual science books and science fiction and fantasy. So I would suggest noting the theme of this podcast um, that they look into my space opera series, which is called Argelum. There are four books in the series and it's done. You could start with either the first one that was written, which is Argelum First On. They're very conveniently titled First, Second, and Third to avoid confusion. Um, but you could also start with the one that's coming out this June, which is called Tales from the Charted Systems, because it's a prequel. And so I'd say it's a toss-up as to which one you might prefer. If you really like deep backstory on your characters and origin stories, then starting with Tales from the Charted Systems would be more your bag because it's less plot, because it's a prequel that basically was written to cap off the series and just gives you all the character deep backstories. Um, but if you're a person who likes action and exploding things and, you know laser guns and pew pews, then I would start with First Dawn because that's, you know, technically the actual start of the series. It's filled with nerdy wood science. It's, it's got some hard science elements. I definitely put some of my work in there, but you don't have to understand wood science to read it. 
because most of the characters don't understand wood science either. And so they just sort of, there's a lot of this, someone spouts something and they go, I have just no idea what the hell you just said. So we're just going to go do this. And so you can just follow along with those. But it, you know, it has, it's space opera. And so much like how romance has tropes, space opera has tropes. And so it follows a number of those tropes. It has the dilapidated ship. It has the ragtag crew. It has the very powerful person who can manipulate things. It's one of our lesbians. So if you are a fan of space opera, you'll find you'll find enough comforting tropes in there that the science shouldn't be overwhelming. Nice. I know that the TLR reviewer who p- picked it up absolutely loved it and glommed the whole series. <laughs> well, that's good. Yes. It's endorsed by the Lesbian Review. <laughs> well, that's, that's high praise. You can't ask for anything better than that. Okay. So now that people have discovered how humorous and delightful you are, where can they find you online? I am on Twitter at Galactoglucoman. It's funny to me, and I realize it's funny to no one else. I'm going to spell it for you first. It's G-A, wait, I'm going to write it out. G-A-L-A-C-T-O-M-A-N, Galacto, no, there's a gluco in there, eh. Google it. Galactoglucomannin is a hemicellulose in wood, and it's really funny to me because galactoglucoman sounds like we're in space, but it's a wood it's a wood sugar. I think I'm really funny. No, there's like six other people on the planet who care, and that's fine with me. So it's at... It, everyone at home is like, oh my god, I can't. It's fine. It's fine. It's at galactoglucoman. Um, you can just go to my website, and it'll link you to my Twitter. So my website is jsfieldsbooks.com. Dot com, which is very straightforward. Um, and you can get there through, you can just uh, put Argelum, which is a book series, in any search bar, and it'll it'll pop up my website and probably also my Twitter, which is full of fascinating factoids about my life and space lesbians and wood and occasionally fungus. I'll put the links in the show notes for those of you who um, did not catch that. <laughs> My spelling is worldwide atrocious. It's a good thing you're an author then. It, yeah, um, it's a good thing I have an editor. JS, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This has been the Lesbian Review Podcast. You can find this and other awesome shows by searching for the Lesbian Talk Show anywhere you get your podcasts. We're even on Spotify now. Find more information on our guest in the show notes as well as links to what we spoke about on this episode. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to see us creating more awesome content, then consider becoming a patron. Not only does this mean we can keep on doing this, but you will get exclusive podcasts that do not appear on the channel. You can find out all about it on patreon.com slash the lesbian talk show. The link is in the show notes. That's all for this episode. Bye.